What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hi, this is Jonathan Messenger, and welcome to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. I'm here today with my intro bot, Bebop Robomogo. Uh, Bebop? My name is not Bebop, Jonathan. My name is Robomogi. And I've come to tell you that your robot Bebop has gone missing. What? It is true. Your friend Bebop was attempting to solve a multi-dimensional mystery. But we now believe he's being held in the hold of a renegade spaceship. Held in the hold? Yes. Bebop, I can tell that it's you. No, it isn't. It isn't... Wait, it isn't what? It isn't me. Me meaning Bebop? No. But you are clearly Bebop. No. Bebop, I can tell... Shh. Bebop, don't shoot. Shh. Bebop, stop. Shh. Bebop, you're wearing your Bebop name tag. No, I'm not. Okay, fine, but... You're still wearing a wig. What? This is my real hair. Stop questioning me. Your friend Bebop is in peril. (laughs) Okay. I have a feeling this is maybe a little preview of what Bebop has in store for Bebop Tales 2, Electric Beepaloo. But in the meantime, we have just two episodes left of our second season. And if you remember what happened in the last episode, the crew reunited in the dead zone and were headed back to deliver the amulet to King Huxley, but not before they received some mysterious news about the nature of the amulet. So let's see what happens in the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, Episode 14, Blown Away. The Explorer pod landed first, followed closely by Paige and Nutkin in the rocket sled. The team gathered outside the castle, trying to determine the best way to approach the king and end this quickly and as friends. Okay, first rule, said Abigail. Nutkin, no matter what, no hair pulling, okay? Nutkin kicked at the short orange grass. Fine. And second rule, I think Barkin and Finn should bring the amulet together to the king to show that both sides work together to finish the job. Hopefully we can show them that we can all be friends and live peacefully. Okay? Everyone nodded. Voltronics, draped over Foggy's shoulders like a backpack, piped in. Butterstick soda pop, he said. His battery was still dangerously low and he hadn't been able to make any sense since they picked him up in the dead zone. Okay, and third rule, nobody let Voltronics talk, said Abigail, as she led everyone toward the castle. Spin a top, camera drop, said Voltronics. The king, surrounded by a dozen Bigfoot guards and three trumpet aliens, emerged from the castle. He held up a hand for the explorers to stop where they stood, and he and his entourage approached. 
the three trumpet aliens blared in unison. <clears throat> I see you have returned, said the king. I hope you are not so foolish as to show up with my two prisoners, but not my amulet. My sister is not your prisoner, said Finn. She is a free cosmonaut of the Marlow 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station, and her friend Nutkin is a free citizen of this planet. I hope you won't refer to them as prisoners again, or you can kiss your precious amulet goodbye. The king harumphed. Abigail elbowed Finn gently, but when he looked at her, she was smiling at him, proud. It was maybe dangerous to speak that way to the king, but no one would blame Finn for sticking up for them. The rest of the troop was looking at him the same way. <clears throat> so, you do have the amulet, said the king. I thought I felt its power. Now, if you will please hand it over to one of my guards. The tallest yeti guard stepped forward. There was a patch of pink, bare skin on its leg where it had been nutkined. Hold on, said Finn. We received a warning on our way back here, that this amulet may be more powerful than we thought, and we saw how pieces of it changed the creatures who lived on the planets where the shards had landed. We want to be sure once we hand this over that we are allowed to leave, and that you won't use whatever power this thing possesses against your own people. The king bristled and breathed deeply. As I have said, I am very sick. This amulet which you talk about as some sort of weapon is the only thing that can make me well again. It is true that individually the jewels that comprise it can be dangerous, but once united they fit together in a way to make it beautiful, harmonious. Surely you felt it when it was joined together again. A different feeling. Finn had to admit, ever since Foggy put the amulet back together again, it had given off a calming aura, much different from the angry green or the cold blue of the first two jewels they acquired. Finn took the amulet out of his pocket, and the aliens all gasped as he raised it to the sky. Okay, King Huxley, he said. Please ask your guards to step back into the castle. I'm not taking any chances with them again. The king sighed and signaled for his guards to retreat. Finn waited for the castle door to shut behind the yetis, and it was just the king and the three trumpet aliens before he stepped forward alongside Barkin. King Huxley, said Finn, I hope this amulet makes you feel better, and I hope you'll treat Barkin here as a hero for helping bring it home. <clears throat> yes, yes, said the king. That's all fine, and Barkin is fine, and we can even forgive young Nutkin her anger. Just please give me the amulet. Finn handed the glowing amulet to the king, who smiled, and his eyes widened. Finally, I have it. I have been sick for so long. I hardly remember what it means to feel well. Finally, I am free. Thank you, young explorers. You will never be treated as strangers or prisoners here again, should you ever return. Yeah, that's not going to happen, said Vale. 
The troop shook hands with Barkin, and Page and Nutkin hugged for a long time before they said goodbye. When they turned to walk back to the pod, the king was still holding the amulet, gazing at it in its bright white glow. <coughs> the troop all turned around. <coughs> the king was coughing uncontrollably. Isn't it supposed to make him not do that, said Vale? Finn and Abigail began walking back toward the king. Barkin and Nutkin approached as well. Stand back, stand back, said one of the trumpet aliens, standing in front of the troop. The king needs some air. Another trumpet alien ran to the castle door. The king knelt and dropped the amulet to the ground as his coughing worsened. The last trumpet alien left by the king reached down and picked up the amulet. Ah, here we go. It nodded to the trumpet alien by the castle, who rolled a large rock, blocking the front door. Now, how did that tune go again? The trumpet alien began playing a low, growling song. The amulet in his hands began to vibrate, and, incredibly, the trumpet alien began to grow until it stood larger than any explorer then larger than Foggy and Voltronics, then larger than the Explorer Pods, it didn't look as if the alien would ever stop growing. There, that's better, said the giant trumpet alien. Its friends on the ground played a triumphant song. Now, let's see. Finn, what fools you little explorers have been. Oh, sure. We'll go planet to planet and look for one where humans could live. But you never showed any ambition. The Marlow could have been so much more, and all you ever wanted to do was help. The troop now began backpedaling toward the explorer pod. The king, still on his knees, looked up in astonishment. You sound like Bunce, said Foggy. Bunce was a... Kindred spirit, let's say, said the trumpet alien. He was on my side. He didn't need me to control his mind to foil your little plot, the way I have controlled the mind of poor King Huxley here, and so many of his little furballs. Barkin looked at the trumpet alien in surprise, as if he'd only just realized something. That's... that's true. I remember now, you arriving here. But then it felt like you've been Been here here forever. forever. Yes, said the trumpet alien. That's part of the mind control. We, my friends and I, knew the amulet was spread around this galaxy. And we knew that little ice alien, or those ridiculous aliens that fall apart. What are they called again? The Epismorphs, said Elias. That's right, the Epismorphs. We knew they would never get it done. So we came here, expecting you all to track it down, with a little push from your king and a few rocket sleds. Honestly, you Marlow kids showing up was a happy accident. Happy for me, anyhow. (laughs) The trumpet alien let loose an enormous blast from his horn and blew the troop down, Barkin and Nutkin too. We have to get out of here. Yelled Foggy. Cloco, you help the explorers. Voltronics, can you help them get out of here too? 
Pig Slop Sock Hop, said Voltronics. Ah, uh, good enough, said Foggy. The true ball raced to the pod, and Foggy turned back to the enormous trumpet alien. You think you can stop me? said the alien as Foggy raced toward him. He let out an eerie sound. And Foggy stopped, jerked, and fell over, going quiet. Foggy! yelled Finn. He was the last one climbing into the pod, so he jumped back out, shutting the door behind him, and ran to his friend on the ground. Ah, uh, it's the frequency of that trumpet, Foggy said. It's scrambled something inside me. Finn lifted Foggy's shoulders to drag him back to the pod. Come on, he said. It's, it's over, Finn, you must see that, said the trumpet alien. You can't take me on alone. I'm not alone, he yelled. Yes, you are, said the trumpet alien as it charged forward, letting out another blast from its horn. Wind whipped all around Finn, but he stood strong against the gusts. We'll all beat you. You can't stop Explorers Troop 301, yelled Finn. We faced worse than you. We beat Bunce, Boggus, and Bean. We beat an entire planet. We're the best team in the universe, and when we're all together, you can't stop us. But as Finn was yelling at the trumpet alien, he turned around to see that the alien's blast had blown the Explorers pod and all of the explorers inside it up into the air and far, far away. Oh, said Finn. Okay, I am here with my editor and son, Griffin Messenger. Say hi to everybody, Griff. Hi, hi. Hello. All right, and what did you think of that episode? Loved it. You loved it? All right. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Because we're getting started on a battle here. Yeah, that's right. You've been wanting a battle, and this is kind of the... Oh, you're dancing now. All right. <laughs> uh, so do you have any questions about the episode? I wonder what Voltronics is talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, you ever had like a toy that has a low battery, and it makes all sorts of like weird little noises? Yeah. That's kind of like what's going on with Voltronics right now. He's on a really low battery, and he's just kind of spitting out weird words. <laughs> Bingy bungy. <laughs> yeah, right, like that. Uh, what else did you like about it, or what other questions do you have? I, I liked how they mentioned bunts. Yeah, yeah, bunts. So do you want to talk about that, or should we wait until the, the end of the next episode? I'm going to talk about how maybe bunts, and there's this big region of bad guys who want to take over the Marlowe. Oh, yeah. So you think that, like, the trumpet alien and Bunce are all part of some kind of, like, league of evil space guys? Yeah, but Bunce was actually from the Marlowe. Yeah, right, right. But he's he's gone over he, to and the other... He was the... He... He was... He actually abandoned the Marlowe. The Marlowe didn't abandon him. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So he's gone over to the other side where the trumpet alien already was. So yeah. one of the things I want to talk about in this episode is that the king was kind of controlled by the trumpet alien. We find out that the trumpet alien had been kind of controlling the mind of the king, right? And that comes from a story that I really love called The Two Towers. Towers. <laughs> That's right. By J.R.R. Tolkien, which is part of the... The Lord of the Rings. 
<laughs> and so I really the, the servant poisons the king. Yeah, so that his assistant poison Grima poisons King Theoden and and then the orcs can kind of run over the land and Saruman is in yeah, charge. Yeah, and destroy everything. Yeah, okay. All right. No more completing my sentences, okay? <laughs> all right, so uh, do you have any other questions? No. All right, so we're going to do art now. Art time! We have 20 pieces of art to get through, and I want to try to get through all of the art that we've gotten by the end of Bebop Tales so that we start season three fresh. Does that sound good to you? Okay. All right, so let's do it. We have from... Alec, who is five, from Philadelphia, he drew us a really awesome drawing of the Marlowe. Thank you so much, Alec. Awesome. Andrew, who is seven, from Santa Clara, California, he drew a really cool drawing of Bebop and a bunch of robots, and it looks like maybe there's a confrontation happening between Bebop and Lancebot and Voltronics. <laughs> and then Dylan, who is six, from California... Uh, he drew us something. He drew Vale. Awesome. Yep. Thank you so much for that. Eddie, who is seven from Medina, Minnesota. He drew Foggy awesome. and Finn. Thank you for that. Ethan, who is seven from Des Moines. Awesome. <laughs> he drew Foggy and Finn. Thank you for that. Henry from Berwyn, Illinois. He drew a, a really cool drawing of some of our robots there. I think that's based on our April Fool's episode with a couple of pranks. <laughs> oh, Bebop. <laughs> awesome. Jackson, who is five, from Saratoga Springs, Utah. He drew us a really cool drawing of, of Saffrite. Thank you so much, Jackson, awesome. for that. Jacob and Addison from Paradise, Texas. They drew us a really cool drawing of Bebop climbing uh, Baron's Mountain with the bounce shield, the time bounce shield. <laughs> Thank you to Jonathan, who is six, from Gunada, Australia. Your name. Awesomely named Jonathan. He drew us a really cool drawing of an astronaut. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Malcolm, who is five from Batavia, he drew us the whole Marlowe crew, the whole Explorer troop. Thank you so much to that, for that, Malcolm. And then Marissa, who is 10 from Des Moines, she drew a really cool drawing of a guard stuck in a tunnel. Remember when they, when Paige and Nutkin were trying to get out and the guard got stuck in the tunnel? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's really good. And then Oakley, who is seven from Philadelphia, he drew a really cool drawing of Bebop. It said Bebop and Bebop Jr. And there's a little robot dog there. And uh, he's singing the Bebop Tales song. It's really awesome. Thank you, Oakley. And then awesome. Oakley also did a really cool drawing of Cannonball Mountain. So thanks for that as well, Oakley. Awesome. Owen, who is six from Excelsior, Minnesota, drew an Excelsior to Laser Bunny battling drawing for us. How cool is that? Awesome. Then Porva, who is seven from Sunnyvale, California, she drew a really cool drawing of the amulet being found. She has one of the little evil hand babies saying, that's not the last you'll see of me. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ruth, who is seven from Medina, Minnesota, she drew a Mona Lisa. Oh, this is Bebop eating a Mona Lisa. Ah! <laughs> that is very funny. Thank you, Ruth. Sam, who is six, he drew us a picture for Bebop. This is really cool. Very colorful. I'm sure Bebop will love that. It's that, actually cut out. Yeah, it's cut out. That's right. And then Toby, who is nine, he drew a really cool version of our our cover art, our kind of our logo. Awesome. You're a really good job. Toby's nine from Evanston, if I didn't say that before. And then William, who is five from Los Angeles, he drew us a really cool picture of Robo Cloco on the ice planet. So thanks so much for that, William. Awesome. Okay, that's it for art. What's up next, Griff? Joke time. 
joke time. All right. So our first joke is one that was emailed into us. It was from Oscar, who is nine and a half. What do you call an alien with no ears? I don't know. Whatever you want. It can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we have a joke from Eliora, who is eight, from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Hi, I'm Eliora, and I'm eight years old, and I have some jokes for you. Why did the astronaut sing lullabies to the snowball in space? She wanted to calm it down. <laughs> Why are rocket scientists so serious? They know the gravity of the situation. <laughs> How do they keep outer space clean? With a vacuum. <laughs> What's the difference between a star and King Arthur? One is round at night. The other has nights of the round. Table. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for all those jokes, Elior. They're great. And then up next, we have Wyatt and Holden. I am Wyatt. I am six, and I, I live in Oregon. I have a joke. What does a rocket ship say when it's coming down to Earth? Because they normally land in the water, sort of stop. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. My name's Holden, and my four years old. And what do you I have you? a joke. A joke, okay. Why did this spider go to outer space? To me, he's outer space friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you to Wyatt and Holden and to Eliora and, of course, to Oscar. All right. I think that's it, Griff. Anything else you wanted to say? Big battle! <laughs> big battle for next, big next battle, episode. Big battle. Big battle. Okay. We're done recording. Uh, what are we going to read tonight, Griff? The Hobbit. We're going to reread The Hobbit, right? Right. And we also finished Dino Mike. That's right. We read Dino Mike last night uh, by Franco Aureliani. All right, you want to say goodbye to everybody, Griff? Bye, bye, bye. All right, thanks, everybody. Bye. Hey, thanks for coming back and having even more fun with us this week. And thanks to everyone who is sending their art, their jokes, their ideas, and their sounds. Remember, if you're in the Chicago area, Griffin and I will be doing a live performance on June 11th. Details are in the show notes. And shoutouts this week go to Alec, Andrew, Dylan, Eddie, Ethan, Henry, Jackson, Jacob, Addison, Jonathan, Malcolm, Marissa, Oakley, Owen, Horva, Ruth, Sam, Toby, and William for the art, and Oscar, Eliora, Wyatt, and Holden for the jokes. Sounds this week were produced by Caleb from Chicago, who provided some of the wind we heard at the end of the episode, Jonah and Luca from Osprey, Florida, who provided some trumpet sounds, and Yuri from Gainesville, Florida, who provided the sound when the trumpet alien was getting bigger and bigger. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is a Gen Z kids production written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Eberg, recently voted the nicest human in the Milky Way. 
For more information about the music, the art, everything about the show, check out the show notes. See all the art mentioned this week at fincaspi.com. And thanks, as always, for sending in everything that you've sent in. And if you're in the Chicago area and you're going to be in town on June 11th, it would be great to meet you. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Somebody save Bebop. Hey, parents and teachers. Have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.